G'day and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain, oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Ethan Woolley and thanks again for listening to episode 262. It's been a whirlwind a few months for sheep and lamb markets and our guest this week has been well and truly in the thick of the action. Charlie DeFagley, alongside his partner Liz and Sons, manage a generational prime lamb operation at their Quamby property in Ararat, Victoria. Charlie joins us today to discuss the impact of the last few months on his livestock business, as well as some of the innovations and changes the family have undertaken to maximise productivity for the livestock business. Before the episode, though, a quick update on the latest in commodity markets as of the 16th of February 2024. On the cropping side, the latest USDA forecasts have been released, and the forecast suggests that the United States is tipped for record yields and building stocks in 2024. Recent wheat tender activity has seen super sharp Ukrainian pricing, suggesting that the market may still require some time to find the floor. The wool market continues to push downward, with the finer end of the spectrum witnessing the steeper declines at auction. The 18 micron price guide in Melbourne has now lost 100 cents since December, as those fine wool premiums continue to erode to the broader categories. For both the cattle and sheep markets, sale yard throughput has been extreme to start the calendar year. This has put a dampener on the recent turnarounds in sale yard pricing, as there's plenty of stock to choose from and bidding has eased after a rampant start to the year. Now, for today's episode, I'll pass along now to Rob Herman and Charlie DeFagley. Yes, Ethan, thank you very much. Today, I'm really pleased to say we've got Charlie DeFagley joining us. And uh, Charlie and I go back a little way because um, you've always had a little bit of a reputation of being a fairly progressive farmer. What we're going to talk about today, though, is, is obviously the lamb business and how it's gone this year. But let's start off, Charlie, just give us a little bit about where your business is now, you know, in terms of size and how many lambs, that sort of thing. Um, but where did it, how did you get to where you are now? Well, Rob, yes, thank you for having me back again. It's uh, always a pleasure to catch up. Um, originally, I was a wool producer, very frustrated wool producer. I worked on my own as, own as a signal, single operator and... Um, in 2006, my second son, Rich, came home and joined us. And that was a bit of a watershed moment for our business because it meant there was two of us. Um, Richard was the educated one. I'm the uneducated. Richard also came home with a few things that he suggested might be a good move. And prime lamb was one of them. So I'd always been breeding prime lambs out of merinos and merino cross. But uh, he wanted to move to composites. And um, we sort of went headlong into breeding a straight prime lamb flock. And I think at that stage, we probably had four or 5,000 breeding ewes. And since then till now, um, our flock's grown to, we've got 13,000 ewes going to the ram this year. And we're hoping that we might get um, close to 18,000 lambs. Last year, we lambed down 10,500 ewes and marked 14,500. 
And so our flock, which includes ewe lambs at about 20 to 25% ewe lambs, we get a lambing percentage around 145, 150% over the whole flock. We had a, a really productive merino sheep that grew wool, but it couldn't get lambs to survive. Uh, it had sore feet and it had a lot of the problems of the old heavy wool cutting merino. And um, we were just sick of scanning twin bearing new lambs to only have one at the lamb marking cradle. And for it was um, a bit of an eye opener to us when we moved into the composites and we've been measuring our lamb survival for a while and we've now got that close to 90%, sort of 88, 89% over singles and twins. And that's such a relief to us that we've now bred a flock that can do that. The wool side of it's very disappointing. We get about 50,000 for our wool check and it costs us about 150 to get it off. That works out at about $5 a hectare over the 2,000 hectares we're running, which is not a big number, but it's you'd love to fix it, but we're frightened about what we would lose in productivity and production to you know get that money back. So at the moment, we've got our own um, self-replacing composite flock. Um, We've moved to breeding our own rams because if you imagine 13,000 would need, uh, we need a lot of rams. So Charlie, that's a, that's a pretty impressive um, resume you've put out there. What are the, what would you say are the, a, a couple of the main things you've had to focus on to do, to achieve that? Um, so we had a pretty good pasture story from a long way back. You know, I was always interested in having productive pastures. The issue was to get our fecundity up. We did have the Barula gene in the Merinos, and so we were scanning 160, 170. So there's, without a doubt, that was a good base to start from. And mm. um, uh, we still, to this day, have sheep that limp. Uh, we haven't solved the foot problem properly, but a drafting gate instead of tipping them over and pairing them is far better. And... Um, when we pregnancy scan them, they go, uh, if they're limping, they just get thrown out. They're treated as dries. And and look, we've got that number right down. Uh, when the Merino flock, we were DAG-free. Introduction of new genetics, they're not DAG-free. We've had to go through that process. And we've got that now down to about 5% of the flocks DAGI. And in the next two years, they'll be that'll be all finished as well. But we don't even crutch our sheep leading up to shearing now, Rob. They're bare around the points. Um, they go straight in uh, to the wool shed. That's all we do is annually a shearing. And the shearing is about, um, as I said, you know, three and a half to four kilograms of fleece. But uh, I'm reminded by some of my good Merino producers, that friends that tell me it's not wool, it's something else. But... Anyway, it goes into dunas, Rob, and I know I put more dunas on beds in this district than they put jumpers on people here, but um, it uh, it's a byproduct of our system, and lamb obviously is still our focus. Very now, much. talking about lamb, Charlie, um, you'd have to say that as as this season unfolded, so if you go back to when you were dropping lambs on the ground to where we are now. It's been a real roller coaster in the market. How yeah, has how has it impacted on you, and how have you dealt with this? So, just a bit more background to answer that question. We originally were the suppliers of store lambs to the lamb industry, and we would sell them all at forty kilograms live weight. 
at about three fifty to four dollars a kilogram lightweight. So that was good money straight into the truck, and and um, we just sold truckloads. They're all gone by mid-November, and that went worked really well. But that came unstuck last year when the store market took a massive dive, and we can't afford to sell them for sixty dollars, and that's what they are worth now. So last year we learnt how to feed lambs with grain, and because we had a wet October, November, we had them to feed them fairly hefty rates because they were still sitting at 40, 45 kilograms coming off mum, and we had to get them to 52 to 55 average because we try, uh, worked with Woolworths to actually become lamb finishers, and so... Um, we successfully did that, and last year we averaged 174, I think it was, but it cost us $30 to get there. So really, they're only a 144 lamb to us. That's still far better than $60. Um, this year, having learned how to use barley and beans as a supplement, we've uh, fed all our lambs and ewe replacements, which is about 14,500 lambs, we're still under $10 a head over the whole lot. So the first lot obviously went off with no grain at all, straight off mum. But one of the things that we now do is going against the trend is we actually leave them on mum for a fair while. In fact, it'll go to 110 days before they come off. Uh, and the first load that we sent off to Woolworths, they were very nearly 26 kilograms coming straight off mum. But we certainly got to please explain. Mm. And um, from there, uh, we've um, we now weigh every lamb that goes out, and, and it's between a so it hits grid. And this time it was um, there were twenty two outside seven hundred meeting spec. So, and that's really good. So we're now following those genetics through because we breed our own rams. Um, we've actually delivered virtually a load a week, except for a couple of weeks off since the start of November and we've got about five loads left to go uh, and it's been really good. Woolworths come to us with a price. There's no contract. Uh, they don't like contracts because um, they, I think far too many people don't treat them with the respect they should. But it's a great deal. So we get spot, which is based on, well, pretty similar to what the Ballarat market, Bendigo and further north those markets get, but uh, it's that plus a little bit more and um, by no stretch of the imagination, um, their prices have been equal or better than we could get in the industry at any time this year. They're good to deal with. So our emphasis in going from a Merino wool producer to a lamb producer has been good pastures, the right management, lambing when we've got feed, but also not holding back in buying the best genetics we can with lambing percentage and growth rates as our focus. So the the journey, Charlie, though, really has been, um, must have been a bit daunting because when you're selling them on auctions plus as store lambs, it's all care and no responsibility. Away they go. It, whatever they are is what they are. You don't have to meet any sp particular specifications. However, when you start to supply someone on a regular basis under an agreement, it changes the whole model. You now become a supplier, not a seller, I guess. 
It, it is amazing the change, Rob. You're, you're uh, absolutely spot on. And um, you can't use the excuse, oh, it's a bit wet, we can't deliver, or because um, if we lose our spot, we're out. You don't come back. Yeah. And um, it, 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 But it's good for you. It creates a discipline in your business. Uh, you're focused. You, you're thinking three to four weeks ahead. Um, we've... We measure so much now, Rob, We, with our feeding, they're weighed every three weeks. We know the growth rates. We're able to predict where they should be. Uh, and and we keep talking to them. You know, I had a meeting with our buyer on Friday for a cup of coffee. And um, what was going to be a 20-minute chat ended up being an hour and a half. And we talked about everything. And so we've got a really good relationship there. Uh, no secrets, no surprises. Um, and, and but we work with them too. They've actually rang us a few times and said, uh, we're jammed, can we hold them back for a week? We say yes, because we just live so close to store. Mm. And um, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And um, the things that we're now focusing on because of this relationship is eating quality, um, it's uh, making sure they're the right weight and inspect. Uh, and, and I think even down the track, they're, they're interested to talk to us about. Um, us having done our carbon footprint. So we've done all, we know our numbers, which have been very favourable, but but they want to know about that as well. So it's becoming part of their story as we, um, you know, keep putting our product on the shelves and to meet the consumer demands. Now, you mentioned that you're, um, you're supplying Woolworths and uh, there's a lot of discussion at the moment about the supermarkets, Charlie, and I happen to know that you did, engage with the Senate inquiry and 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 share with them your um your thoughts do you want to just tell us what you're thinking about this discussion in relation to the uh, the supermarkets and uh, the allegation of price gouging well it annoyed me that there was being statements made largely by politicians um that had no substantiation and made assumptions about relationships between producers and the processors. And, and I I think that there'd be some grisly producers that could easily have made those statements and they've then repeated them. But I just said uh, the, the commission asked uh, for, uh, the inquiry asked us for, to relate experiences. And so I provided them with our experiences with Woolworths, how that we work together, um, there's an open relationship. But I also went on to say that as a land producer, the prices we receive is not the problem. It's the costs that have been incurred on our business that to some extent are government influence. And um, uh, as yet, I have had no feedback other than a couple of mates saying, oh, you've stuck your head out. But uh, I'm, it's interesting, but I just thought that they, you know, as a as a partner in a in a process, we should defend and provide some feedback that's positive. Absolutely, um, I'm sure the uh, the Senate inquiry is is thinking carefully about their response to you, Charlie. So be ready for that. The um, on a positive though, I mean we can't help but notice that since the early 2000s, our export numbers of lambs are about three times today what they were then. And, and that's a credit to the industry. It's a credit to a lot of people. But it's also, I guess it's also there's some, it makes you think about what is the state of our prime land production? How, you know, you said, I think I've heard you say before that, that for many land producers, 
you know, land production is only their second or third enterprise. And yet we have this industry that that is really on some sort of a, a, a golden run at the moment. It's it. I come from a dedicated land producer point of view, which is so different to the fellow that's got one or two loads and they sell them and go into spot. What gives me the greatest comfort of all is nothing forever. And we've got no given right to have our product on our supermarket shelves. And, and you know, thing, good things don't always last. But to have an export market behind us with domestic fills me with confidence that I can um, keep our production system going. Uh, and if all of a sudden, you know, the domestic demand reduces, and at the moment, Woolworths have got people stacked up trying to deliver, they've got no problems getting supply because they've got goods and they've had long-term relationships. To have an export um, market for lamb, I think that's fantastic. The other thing to remember in the lamb industry is you've got merinos, you've got shedders, you've got composites. They all produce different types of lambs. And um, the lambs that Woolworths don't like They'll either go to Aldi or they certainly go to the processor and they go in a different, they get exported. But we need that because if someone hits a dry patch and they can't keep them on that good rising plane of nutrition, it's probably best that they are exported. Um, and uh, the Australian consumers would uh, expect us to give only the best in the supermarkets. Uh, and I think that's true. That's what we do. But um, to have an export... Um, behind us just fills us with confidence well we saw this year where the um the middle east and north african market really stepped into that light lamb and uh you know i think there's an extra million lambs or something went in that direction this year compared to last year so you're right about that charlie you you must be fairly optimistic though about the future of lamb rob i'm uh, we as i said we breed our own rams and, and, and what we're doing is we've evened the lineup. But what really impresses me is that we're getting lambs, we're weaning lambs at 100 days at 50 to 55 kilograms. So when you think of what we did 15, 20 years ago, mm. we were nowhere near that. But now we can hit spec quite quickly. Um, and so why I like it is that we can either destock if we have to, but we are quicker to meet, get them to market weight. And, and I haven't seen an, an enterprise that is as dynamic as this one is in improving. And our lines of lambs are looking really quite even, very even. And um, so when we're drafting, we've, we, we draft them three ways. Now, you know, next week and the week after. And I just, I, it's quite dynamic. I, I'm really interested to see where we go into the future in terms of what can we achieve next. Because we know what the pig industry did when it selected for uh, lean meat yield, and if we did the same thing, we'd be in the same boat. But it, I'm, and and just the fact is, with high lambing percentages, if we had a dry spell, we could destock by half, look after the property, but we'd bounce back within twelve months. And um, the beauty of Australia is it's a big paddock, and so lambs can come from somewhere else. Exactly right. And today we're on Commodity Conversations. We're talking to Charlie DeFagley and it's fantastic. I love talking about sheep as a rule, but uh, when we hear some of the, um, you know, the great innovations and new ideas that are happening at production level, um, I know that's what touches the buttons of a lot of the people who listen to this, this conversation. 
So, Charlie, where, in summary, where do you see the next big moves coming for the lamb industry? I I, I think um, the lamb industry meets carbon footprint quite easily. Um, this, we don't have the challenges the beef industry has. Uh, I think with good genetics, we will get to a lot of it will be grass grown, not uh, won't need massive amounts of grain to finish. The um, the cropping boys in this district, I think they're going to go wall to wall cropping, but the, there are some that are smart enough to see that they need livestock. And a prime lamb operation in that as a second enterprise would help. It's a lot better than doing it as a merino, unless you love your, your merino wool. I think... Um, There'll always be a demand for, because of religious reasons, why lamb has its benefits over some of the others, uh, pork and beef in particular. And I think um, the beauty of it is it, it's, it will never be a Wagyu-type price. It's going to be more for the FAQ in the supermarkets and the confidence that they'll take home something and you've got a good eating experience. And so I really think the future for the sheep industry. The challenges is labour and the efficiencies. You know, we talked at the earlier about shearing. You know, we it costs us um, a $5 a head loss to shear sheep. You know, sadly, we haven't seen the innovation in this work, this area, and I think that that's a bit of a drawback, and that's why we're seeing a massive increase in shedders. The trouble with the shedding sheep is it doesn't equal our lambing percentage, ability to handle worms, growth rates, and it's feet are shocking. So it's got a long way to go to catch where we're at. And, you know, obviously the supermarkets have told us don't go down that track or we'll go somewhere else. So that we've got our challenges and labour is going to be a big one. But to hear young uh, hear about young kids that actually want to come into the sheep industry is a boon. But you'll find those people have innovated. They've got bulk handlers, uh, no crutching, no mulesing, and... Um, uh, you know, setups that are really good. You know, you don't. I saw a YouTube the other day where they were drafting lambs and they had to put them back through again because um, <laughs> user jumped the fence just out the back. Um, and, and look, a lot of people hate sheep because they were brought up with shocking setups, and you can't blame them. So, um, I, we, we, you know, we, it is positive, but I think we need we need good innovation as well. Well, it's been great talking to you, Charlie. It's also been great discovering that the sixth generation of the DeFagleys are lining up for the uh, for, for Quamby property. Um, thanks for your time. You're very generous and and very informative with what you've told us. Um, wish you all the best. Thank and, you. Uh, look forward to catching up soon. Uh, it's a really exciting enterprise, and to actually to be doing it without the boys, that's even bigger buzz than ever. You know, sort of you, you're actually growing together. It's, it's an amazing enterprise.